Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Dead America, Mississippi. Dead America, the second week, book one. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter One. Day Zero Plus Eight. Vernon sat in the wooden chair on his front porch, sipping a hot cup of coffee like he did every morning. He watched the first of the sun's rays peek over the horizon and warm his dark skin like he did every morning. He stood up and stretched his 40-year-old back, ready to head across the river for work like he did every morning. Only unlike a normal morning, he wouldn't be heading from his home in Lula, Mississippi to West Helena to work on engines at the local mechanic shop. This morning, his work was more suited to the survival mentality that had encompassed the world. He sighed and downed the last of his coffee. Well, daylight's a burning, he said to nobody in particular. Better get to it. He headed back inside his modest two-bedroom home and filled up two travel mugs with the last of the camping coffee pot from the fireplace. He headed down the hall and took a deep breath before putting his hand on the knob of the second door on the left. He cracked it open, letting a ray of bright sunlight cascade down onto the sleeping form of his own little monster. She gave an almost inhuman groan and grimaced at the light in her eyes, pulling the covers up over her head. All right, Nadia, Vernon said gently. It's time to get up, girl. Lots to get done today. The 16-year-old grunted again, tightening the blankets over her. He chuckled and shook his head, opening the door wider to brighten the room. Daddy, she whined, voice muffled as he poked her still form. Why do you insist on starting every day at the crack of dawn? It's the end of the world, there isn't any time clock to be punched. That's true, he agreed. But ever since we lost power a few days ago, the only light we have is the one the good Lord put in the sky for us. Nadia pulled the covers off of her face and wrinkled her nose. Her shoulder-length braids disheveled around her head like a halo on her pillow. Still don't see why I have to be up at this hour. Because we're going across the river today for some more supplies, Fernan replied, perching on the edge of her bed. Her brow furrowed. We just went two days ago. And we've had eight new people show up in town since then, which means we're running through them supplies faster, he explained. Nadia rolled her eyes. 
That's right, we have eight new people in town, which is why Mr. Kenneth asked for my help this morning in getting them situated, remember? Ah, damn. Vernon scratched at the salt and pepper scruff on his cheek as the conversation from the night before came back to him. I'm sorry, you're just so good on these supply runs. You know we need you, baby. Are you sure Mr. Kenneth can't handle this one on his own? He's busy helping the older ladies get the daycare set up, Nadia replied, finally shaking the sleep from her voice and sitting up. There's a lot more orphans in town ever since we had to go to the casino. What about Solomon and Gregory? Her father asked. I know they are a little younger than you, but they seem competent enough. Nadia sighed impatiently. They're helping those big trucker boys and the church handyman get some barricades set up on the north side of town. They don't have much to work with, but Mr. Kenneth figures something is better than nothing. I would take those boys along, Fernan pursed his lips, but they ain't exactly what I'd call physically able. She laughed. Yeah, they'd probably pass out just walking to the bridge, let alone all the way to West Helena, she agreed. Plus, from what I can tell, they aren't that bright either. So that makes you the last capable person in this whole town, he reiterated. She shook her head. Maybe not. I was up for a bit after you went to bed, and I saw a car come into town. I could hear Mr. Kenneth talking to somebody before they went inside. Maybe they'll be useful. Well, maybe you're right, girl, Vernon shrugged. Come on now, throw some proper clothes on, grab your coffee, and we'll go chat with Mr. Kenneth. The father and daughter headed across the quiet residential street. It was an old neighborhood, most of the houses built in the 60s, and not incredibly well updated. But they stood, and it was home, and that was what mattered. There were four people milling about on Mr. Kenneth's large porch, enjoying their own morning brew, dressed in form-fitting clothing and armed to the teeth. Morning, Vernon. Mark greeted, waving. Not like you to be the last one showing up. He laughed and patted his daughter on the shoulder. I had a little trouble waking the sleeping princess today. Hey, she pouted. It's not my fault you neglected to bring me coffee in bed. Vernon laughed again. If I had done that, you'd still be there. At least when I leave it on the counter, I know you'll get up before it gets cold. Making a tired person find their own coffee, Nadia replied, shaking her head in disdain. Pretty sure the Geneva Convention would classify that as a war crime. Here, here, Mandy agreed, holding up her own mug. You coming with us today, Nadia? I'm afraid I require the young lady's assistance here, Mr. Kenneth announced from the doorway, heading out onto the porch in his conservative deacon outfit. The morning sunlight shone off of his pristine bald head, and his presence brought a calm over the group, as it always did. He stepped out of the way, and a young couple emerged, the woman holding a gurgling infant. I'd like to introduce you to the newest members of our little community, Mr. Kenneth said with a smile. Mrs. Phil, his wife Emma, and their baby daughter Olivia. Pleasure to meet y'all, Phil offered with a nervous smile. Tony winked at him, adjusting his baseball cap. Well, you say that now, he said playfully, and the tension seemed to drain out of the young couple as everyone chuckled. Phil, my friends and I are about to do a run, Vernon piped up. We're a man down today. Nadia clucked her tongue. Excuse me, a man down? Apologies, her father corrected, giving her a bow and a flourish. We're a person down today, and you look like you can handle yourself, sir. Would you be so kind as to join us on our trip? Phil glanced at his wife, and she looked up at him with a little nod. These people have taken us in. The least we can do is contribute she replied. 
He kissed her forehead and then leaned down to do the same to the baby, who giggled and squeezed his nose in response. Mandy let out a little noise of delight and cooed at Olivia as Phil turned to Vernon. I have a handgun with our things, he said. I'll go grab it and we can get underway. Mr. Kenneth put a gentle hand on his shoulder as he turned. If you look beside the washing machine, there's a crowbar resting next to it. You would be wise to take it with you. As the younger man headed inside, the old deacon turned to Nadia. I really appreciate you helping me out today. As it so happens, I have a fresh pot of coffee that should be finished brewing about now. Why don't you go help yourself to another cup before we get started? Thank you, the teenager replied and then turned to her father. Daddy, you be safe today, she put a hand on her hip. Vernon felt a pang in his heart as he took her in, looking so much like her mother. Don't you worry, baby, he assured her, voice thick. I'll come home to you just like I've always done. Well, this is the first time you haven't had me watching your back, she replied. So you'd better be extra careful, and I'm gonna have a walkie-talkie on me all day long, so you'd better keep in touch and let me know you're safe. I will, baby, he promised, and pulled her into a tight hug. She kissed his cheek and then headed into the house, stepping around Phil, who emerged back into the sunlight. All right, I'm ready, he announced. Daryl pulled out his keys and dangled them above his head. Hop into the back of the pickup and we'll get rolling. Vernon gave Mr. Kenneth a little salute, and the deacon nodded at him, clasping his hands in front of him as the group headed to the truck. Emma bounced the baby next to him, her lips pursed tight with worry. Chapter Two Daryl swung the wheel to the left just before the bridge and pulled off to the side of the road, the tailgate facing their destination. Phil's brow furrowed as the crew began to dismount with their gear. Wait, why are we stopping here? He asked. We've got a series of barricades set up, Mark replied, motioning down the two-lane bridge. The newcomer squinted, putting a hand to his forehead so he could survey the makeshift fencing and parked cars up and down the highway. Why not just put a gate at the end of the other side, he asked. Might have something to do with our lack of supplies, Daryl replied, clapping him on the back. Not sure if you noticed or not, but we didn't have a big hardware store in town. Mandy sighed. Or a restaurant. Or a bar, Tony added. It's safer to go on foot, Vernon put in as he led the group down the road. Phil jogged to catch up to him. How in the world are we safer on foot than in a truck? He tucked the crowbar into a loop on his jeans and decided to hold his gun in lieu of jamming it into his waistband. Trucks are loud, my friend. Vernon replied, adjusting his sun hat. Our biggest fear is leading a large group of those things back to town. Outside of us and my daughter Nadia, there aren't too many others that would be capable of putting up a fight should the situation arise. So we take extra precautions, even if it puts us at more of a personal risk. Phil nodded thoughtfully. Before he could open his mouth again, Mandy reached out and tugged on his arm to stop him. She pointed to movement in a long train of barbed wire that ran all the way across the bridge. Looks like we caught a couple, she said, and held up a long metal pipe. Daryl joined her, the two of them heading up to the wooden stairs built to get over the hazard. Tony stood directly in front of the two zombies flailing in the wire, moaning and reaching for a fresh meal even though the barbs tore chunks off of their rotting flesh. Yeah, come and get me, you bastards. 
Tony teased, sticking his tongue out to keep the corpses occupied. Mandy and Daryl skirted around behind them and, in unison, skewered their heads with the pipes. Nice shot, y'all, Tony said, and the duo high-fived each other at their silent but deadly attack. Vernon led the group over the wooden stairs, double-checking the security of the gates as everyone passed. As he did so, Phil paused and headed over to the bridge railing, peering down at the rushing water below. First time seeing the Mississippi? Vernon asked, sidling up next to the newcomer. Phil shrugged. First time outside of Georgia, he admitted. Never seen anything like this. Where were y'all in Georgia? The older man asked. Marietta, Phil replied, turning back to him. Just a bit northwest of Atlanta. Daryl let out a low whistle as the group began to walk again. Atlanta, huh? I mean, it was bad here and we only had a few hundred people in town, so I can't imagine what it would be like in a city that size, especially with them runners. The day everything hit, I was home with my wife. Phil explained. We got to see a couple of hours of footage from downtown before the networks were knocked off the air. I don't know how anybody could have survived that. Mandy shook her head. So how did you all get out? Dumb luck, to be perfectly honest, Phil admitted. About six months ago, we got a good deal on a house in this new neighborhood on the west side of Marietta. It was one of these planned communities that lost funding, so only a few houses had been built. Since nobody wanted to live in a neighborhood that looked like a perpetual construction zone, we got it on the cheap. So we were able to throw stuff in the car and get out of town without being overwhelmed. We spent the last week working our way west. Tony nodded, cracking his knuckles. Good a plan as any, I suppose. My family is still alive and I get to go shopping with you fine people, Phil replied. In my book, that's a win. There was a round of chuckles and they continued in a companionable silence for a little while before Phil took notice of a gaudy-looking eight-story building in the distance. If y'all don't mind me asking, he began, what in the world is that? Vernon barked a laugh. That right there is our very own den of iniquity. I'm sorry? Phil scratched the back of his head. It's a casino, Mark explained. Ah, gotcha. The newcomer nodded. I mean, it looks pretty nice from here. Sturdy, too. Why haven't y'all moved in there? Wouldn't that be easier to defend? A somber silence fell over the group, and he looked around at the stern faces. He raised his hands, palms out. Apologies if I said something wrong. Mandy shook her head. We tried to move in there. It didn't go well. Still stone-faced, she broke from the group and picked up the pace, heading for a zombie tangled up in the final barricade. Got this one. Vernon put a hand on Phil's shoulder. We thought of the same thing and tried, he said quietly. 25 of us went in, only nine came back out. Mandy's brother was among those who didn't make it. I'm so sorry, Phil stammered, face white as a sheet. I had no idea. Mandy knows that, the older man assured him. She's not mad at you, just still very raw and doesn't want to think about it. Understandable, the newcomer replied. I won't bring it up again. Instead of skewering the trapped corpse, Mandy smashed it violently three times in the face until its head resembled pudding. Vernon nodded. Probably a good idea, friend. Clear, Mandy called over her shoulder and headed up over the last barricade. The group checked their weapons, readying themselves for the task ahead. Tony stretched his arms over his head, 
grabbing one wrist and bending at the waist to warm up his muscles. All right, Vernon, what are we hitting today and how do you want to get there? I think we're gonna have to go all the way north to the stop and shop, the older man replied. That's one hell of a haul, Tony replied, lowering his arms and reaching down to touch his toes. Vernon nodded. Yeah, but we about picked clean the other grocery store. There were a couple of grocery carts worth of stuff left in there, Daryl cut in. Yep, Vernon agreed, but it's there in case of an emergency. Well, it's your call, Bubba, Tony replied, bouncing back and forth on the balls of his feet. So how you wanna get there, highway, or you wanna go through the neighborhood? We had some issues with the highway last time, the older man mused. Let's stick to the neighborhood. It's a little bit longer around, but I think it'll be safer. Neighborhood it is then, Tony squatted a few times, and then stood up with a smile. I'll try to lead as many of them as I can to the highway and meet you all up at the store. Vernon stepped forward and gave the younger man's shoulder a squeeze. Be safe. Always, brother, Tony replied with a grin, and then shot off down the road like a bat out of hell, legs pumping like practiced pistons. Phil raised an eyebrow as the group continued in a different direction. Where's he going? Tony is our decoy. Vernon explained. He's going to clear the path for us, so we don't have to deal with too many zombies. He's also the closest thing our little town has to a celebrity, Daryl added. He had one of those internet video stations that got pretty popular. He made those Parker videos. Parker? Phil furrowed his brow. I'm not familiar with that. You know, Parker, Daryl repeated. Like he'll run real fast and jump off walls and shit. Oh, you mean parkour? Phil corrected. Daryl laughed and waved his hands around his head. Well, look at you with them fancy foreign words and shit, he joked and smacked the newcomer in the arm at his worried expression. Relax, buddy, I'm just fucking with you. Haven't even been with you all a day and I already feel like I'm a part of the team, Phil rolled his eyes. Whoa there, bud, how can you be a part of the team when you ain't killed nothing yet? Daryl asked, a wicked glint in his eye. The hell I haven't, Phil shot back squaring his shoulders. I left a trail of corpses through Alabama that would make even the baddest serial killer blush. He narrowed his eyes. And I've killed my fair share of zombies in the last week, too. Daryl's eyes widened, and he nearly stumbled at the sudden realization. Phil's face broke into a wide grin, and he couldn't hold back a laugh. Just making sure you can take it as good as you can dish it out. He pointed a finger at his new friend. Daryl shook his head and punched the newcomer's shoulder playfully, blushing at his naivety. Fuck, buddy, that was a good one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Chapter 3 All right, what's the plan? Daryl asked as he peeked over one of the abandoned cars across the street from the store's parking lot. You want to just go up and hit them? They're spread out pretty good. A dozen or so zombies shuffled aimlessly around the lot, as if waiting for a fresh meal to wander into their domain. It's still early, Vernon replied with a shake of his head. Let's give Tony a little more time to catch up with us. Y'all talking about me? Tony asked, and the group whipped their heads around wildly, looking for the source of the voice. Look up, he instructed, and they did, seeing a waving Tony standing on the roof of the one-story building behind them. Mark raised an eyebrow. What in the hell are you doing up there? Let a group of those things down towards the rest of them on the highway, and rather than risk leading any of them back, I decided to go by rooftop. He replied with a shrug. Hang on, I'll be right down. He hopped up onto the ledge of the roof and sprinted across it with perfect balance. He leapt gracefully out, landing on a streetlight as if he were a spider monkey in a tree. He adjusted his stance and slid easily down to the ground, landing on his feet effortlessly. Tony, Phil breathed, blinking at the young man. That was impressive. Thanks, man, Tony grinned and winked at the newcomer. But that ain't nothing. You think you can help us clear a path? Vernon asked, motioning across the street. Mandy held out a bottle of water from her pack, and Tony took it with a grateful nod, unscrewing the cap as he surveyed the parking lot. Y'all ain't planning on going around back at all, are ya? He asked before taking a long swig. Vernon shook his head. Nope, just straight in and out the front door. Okay, the young man replied. I think the safest course of action is gonna be for me to get on the other side of them, get their attention and lure them to the loading docks. Should be a fire escape or something on the back there that'll let me get on the roof. I'll keep them occupied until you give me the all clear and then we'll be off and home by lunch. We'll wait for you. Vernon replied firmly. Anything special you want us to pick up? Energy drinks, Tony replied with longing in his gaze. Any flavor is fine. Oh, and some of them girly magazines. Tony, Daryl hissed. There's a lady present. Oh, please, the young man scoffed. She's dirtier than all of us combined. Mandy shrugged as Phil glanced at her. Well, he's not wrong, she admitted. All right, see y'all on the other side. Tony cut in with a wink and replaced the cap on his water bottle. He tossed it back to the lady in question and then hopped the car in a single bound before walking casually into the parking lot. Phil watched with bated breath as the young man produced a knife and an extendable baton. He smacked the baton down on the parking dividers as he walked, letting out a loud metallic noise that attracted the attention of all of the corpses. They shambled towards him save for one that darted faster than the rest. Oh, looks like we got a jogger, Tony praised it with a smirk. You must be a new addition to the undead. He fell into a loose, bouncing stance, and as the zombie reached him, he ducked and tripped it with the baton, 
falling down on the back of its head with his knife. He wiped the blade on a miraculously clean section of the corpse's clothes and then sheathed it. He stretched his arms above his head as he waited for the rest of the mini horde to get closer to him. Give me five minutes, y'all, he called over his shoulder, and then began a casual jog around the cluster of zombies. He led them back towards the building, keeping a 20-yard head start at all times. As he reached the corner of the store, one of the zombies began to straggle off to the side, and he knelt down to pick up a rock from the asphalt. He threw it with perfect accuracy at the back of the deserter's head, and this enraged it just enough to rejoin its hunting brethren. Behind the store, Tony found a transport truck that looked like it had been abandoned while unloading a delivery. He peeked inside, finding the back empty. He bounced on the balls of his feet as he waited for his pursuers to get a little closer before clambering easily up onto the hood of the truck. He vaulted up onto the back, fell into a somersault, and rolled into a sitting position. If y'all don't mind, I'm gonna take a bit of a breather, he said, stretching his legs out in front of him. It's been a hell of a cardio day so far. He leaned back on his hands and closed his eyes against the warm sun. I swear if it wasn't for the stench, this would be a perfect picnic spot. Vernon threw open the front door of the store, and Daryl and Mark were first to burst in, shotguns at the ready. Mandy followed, crowbar raised, and Phil began to line up shopping carts as he'd been instructed to beforehand. Okay, Vernon said, as he closed the door behind him. Y'all know what to find. Bottled water, drinks, and canned food are the priority. Nobody goes anywhere alone. We need ten carts. Let's do it, people. Mandy, Mark, and Daryl headed off for the non-perishable food, each towing two carts. Guess I'm sticking with you, Phil said as he pushed two carts towards Vernon. The older man nodded. Okay, grab a couple carts and come on then. We're gonna hit the pharmacy. When they reached the first medicine aisle, the two men started tossing boxes and bottles into the carts, every over-the-counter medication that could prove useful. A crash from the pharmacist's desk made them both freeze. Vernon turned to his new charge and brought a finger to his lips. He leaned around the edge of the aisle and spotted a man in a bloodied lab coat thrashing around behind the window of the enclosed prescription medication area. Damn it, he muttered and pulled back behind the shelving. There's some stuff in there we really could have used. Phil shrugged and pulled the crowbar from his belt loop. Let's go get him then. Too big of a risk, Vernon replied, waving a hand in front of him. Look how fast he's moving. Dealing with shamblers are one thing, but we ain't gonna be messing with no runner today. He turned back to his cart, but Phil touched his arm. Vernon, how strong are you? He asked. The older man furrowed his brow. Strong enough, I suppose. Why do you ask? Come with me, Phil instructed and waved for him to follow. He led them to the window. It was a solid sheet of plexiglass with a hole and a divot at the bottom to exchange medication. The zombie threw itself against the invisible barrier, tie fluttering as it screamed and gnawed. Phil slid his hand through the medication divot and clicked his fingernails against the metal bottom. The ghoul dove for it, and he drew his hand back quickly. Boy, what are you doing? Vernon snapped. Phil put up a flippant hand. Just trust me, I got this, he said. He reached down again and clicked his fingernails. And this time, when the zombie dove for his hand, 
its tie pooled in the medication divot. Phil scrabbled for the fabric and pulled tightly, narrowly missing having his fingers chomped off, but effectively pinning the zombie's head against the window. Grab it, grab it, Phil cried, and Vernon sprung to action, gripping the fabric tightly and bracing his leg against the lower wall to hold the thrashing corpse tightly. I got it, what are you gonna do? He grunted, and his eyes widened as Phil ran over and threw open the prescription area door. Oh shit. He pulled as hard as he could on the tie as the zombie struggled to turn around and get to the young man invading its office. Phil stabbed his crowbar into the side of the zombie pharmacist's head, letting it fall limp from the tie. I think you're good, Vernon, he said, and the older man let go of the tie in shock the fabric fluttering back through the window as the corpse fell to the floor. He shook his head and walked slowly around and through the door, where Phil was already holding up a few bottles of pills. The good news is, if I gave you a panic attack with that stunt, I'm pretty sure we have the meds here to make it all better, the younger man joked. Vernon laughed and scrubbed his hands down his face. You are one crazy little motherfucker. Chapter four. Coast is clear, Mark said, as he came back inside from lining up the last shopping cart in the parking lot. I think we're good. How are we supposed to signal to Tony, Phil asked. Daryl grinned and produced a baseball from seemingly nowhere, underhanding it to the newcomer. How good is your arm? Tony squatted on the lip of the roof above the truck he'd been lounging on doing some balancing stretches as he kept an eye on the cluster of hungry corpses below. They better have found those magazines, he muttered to himself. This whole being single in a small town during the apocalypse isn't exactly conducive to a healthy dating life. There was a dull smack behind him, and he turned to see a baseball rolling across the roof from the front of the building. Well, it's been real, y'all, he declared, giving his zombie friends a wave. But it's time for me to go. He jogged to the opposite end of the building, narrowly avoiding another whistling baseball before he reached the edge. Phil froze in his windup as Tony waved down at him, and they watched the athletic young man swing over the edge and use a drainage pipe to slide easily down to the ground. Tony, you want to scout ahead and make sure we're still in the clear? Vernon asked as everyone got their carts rolling. Tony gave him a little salute. I'm on it. Just stay within eyesight the old man instructed. We may need you to help out if wheeling these things attracts attention. Tony grabbed a lime-flavored energy drink from one of Daryl's carts and unscrewed the cap, moaning as he chugged half of it. Hey, Mandy, he asked when he'd caught his breath. Did you find any magazines for me? I did, you pervy energizer bunny motherfucker, she replied. Tony grinned. I appreciate you. Of course, you can come by any time and read them. He winked at her as he tossed the bottle back into the cart, and she shot him a middle finger with a smile. Okay, let's get moving, Vernon said. We've got a long walk ahead of us. About an hour later, the group emerged from the abandoned neighborhood. Tony pushed one of Mandy's carts, as one of the wheels was a bit wonky and she'd had trouble keeping it straight with one hand. Holy shit, man, Daryl complained, sick of the squeakiness of his own carts. Next time we go buy a hardware store, I'm stealing every single can of WD-40 they've got. Mark laughed. It ain't that bad, Daryl. Just think of it as white noise. 
Man, I went to so many concerts back in the day. My hearing is like 80% white noise as it is. Daryl rolled his eyes. This shit is just annoying. They rounded the last corner, and the bridge came into view a few hundred yards away. Oh, thank the sweet baby Jesus, Mandy groaned. It's about damn time. Hell yeah, there it is, Daryl agreed. Get this shit loaded up and get home, I'm starving. Vernon clucked his tongue. Settle down, people, we still have a bit of work ahead of us. Phil stopped short, almost causing a cart pile up. Come on, newbie, don't tire out on us now, Mark joked. Phil furrowed his brow, straining his ears. Did y'all not hear that? Dude is getting paranoid, Daryl scoffed. The newcomer scowled. Everybody just stop for a second and listen. Vernon held up his hand to facilitate everyone stopping, and a moment later, there was an echo of a low rumbling. A high-pitched whine followed, growing louder and louder. What the hell is that? Mark breathed. Everyone instinctively flinched as three cruise missiles buzzed over their heads. Everybody take cover, Vernon bellowed, and the group hurried into action. They sprinted as fast as their legs could carry them to the tree line as a series of explosions sounded in the distance. They dove into a ditch behind the thick tree trunks, scrambling to stay laying down while peeking up over the edge of the divot to see what was going on. They watched in horror as three more missiles hit the bridge, debris flying everywhere as the structure crumbled into the rushing river. The group stayed stock still, staring wide-eyed and in shock, and the world seemed to go silent. After a few moments with no more explosions, Mandy suddenly shot to her feet, startling everyone. What the fuck, she screamed. How are we supposed to get back now? Daryl threaded his hands through his hair and pulled. Who would blow up the bridge? Vernon swallowed hard and rolled onto his back, pulling out his walkie-talkie. Nadia, Nadia, are you there? Daddy? Her scared voice came crackling back. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay, baby. We're all okay, he replied. What was that noise? She demanded. Vernon took a deep breath before pushing the button again. It was the bridge. Somebody blew up the bridge. Who would do that? Her voice was thick. It doesn't matter right now, baby, he replied gently. All that matters is that the bridge is gone and we're still on the Arkansas side. What? She exclaimed. How are you getting back? You let me worry about that, he instructed. I need you to do something for me. It's incredibly important, or else I wouldn't ask you to do this. There was a pause, and then Nadia came back, sounding firmer and calmer. Okay, what do you need me to do? Uh, Vernon took a deep breath. I need you to get people to the casino. Are you crazy? Mandy shrieked. You want to send your daughter to that death trap? Tony grabbed her arm as Vernon held up a hand to silence her. She seethed, jerking away from them all and turning to face the decimated bridge with a huff. The, the casino? Nadia asked. But it's overrun with zombies. I know, baby, I know, Vernon replied, wincing at his own words. But you're gonna have to figure out a way to make that place as safe as you can, and you're not going to have much time to do it in. She clicked the button, but hesitated before speaking. Because of the explosion. That's right, her father said. 
because of the explosion. Every zombie within a hundred miles is going to be headed our way, and our little town is not going to withstand it. I'll take care of it, Daddy. Her voice was so stern and so like her mother's that it made his heart feel like it was about to burst from his chest. Baby, I want you to listen to me, and listen to me good, Vernon said. You don't take shit from nobody, you understand me? Nobody else in that town has been out there fighting those things. Only you have. You make damn sure that people know they need to take orders from you. I know some of them older white boys ain't gonna wanna take orders from a 16-year-old black girl, but you do whatever you need to do to make them understand. Are we clear? I won't let you down, Nadia promised. I know you won't, he replied. Now you hurry, run and find Mr. Kenneth. I'll tell him what's going on while you round up who you need to round up. She paused, and he imagined her giving a firm nod. I love you, Daddy, she said quietly. He pressed the walkie-talkie to his forehead, closing his eyes for a moment. I love you too, baby, he finally said. Now you get going. There was a moment of hesitant silence before everyone clustered around the man they trusted to lead them. So what's our plan? Tony asked helplessly. Vernon squared his shoulders as he clipped the radio back to his belt. We gotta go north. Mandy immediately doubled over as if she were about to retch, and Daryl moved away from the group to drive his fist into a tree trunk. Tony and Mark went pale. Phil's brow furrowed. What's north? The Helena River Park, Vernon replied. The newcomer shrugged. And that's bad? A shitload of people had that same idea early on, Mark explained, voice hoarse with worry. Back when all these things were runners, somehow they got the bright idea that they could get down to the gulf and be safe. One traffic jam later, and the population of the town tripled, only with zombies. So why don't we just go south and cross the river down there, Phil asked. Tony shook his head. The current will carry us miles downriver before we can get across. If we could even get across without drowning, Daryl snapped, turning back to the group. Not sure how strong a swimmers y'all are, but my dumbass would be fish food for sure. Fact is, we need a boat, Vernon cut in. Our only hope is to head towards the river park and see if there is one left that we can get into the water. And time is not our friend. The group seemed to calm down, accepting the fact that this was their only option. They rummaged around in the carts, filling their bags with food and water. Tony, I'll need you to get a hundred or so yards ahead, Vernon continued. We're going to be moving at a brisk pace, so you direct traffic for us. You tell us where to go and we follow. Just try and keep that fancy jumping and climbing to a minimum, Mandy added. Some of us ain't great with heights. Tony saluted and sprinted up the road. Vernon took a deep breath. Let's move out, people. We can do this. Chapter Five Victor pulled up outside of Mr. Kenneth's house, hopping out with James, Doug, and Luke, his posse of moderately overweight truckers. Nadia took a deep breath as they approached offering a thin smile to Solomon and Gregory as they hopped out of the truck bed. The teenaged boys gave her a little wave as the group headed up onto the porch. Mr. Kenneth, why are we back here? Victor asked as he pulled off his hat to address the deacon. We still got a lot of work to do on the barricade you wanted. Something more important came up, 
Nadia declared. The trucker stared down his nose at her. Excuse me, little girl, but the adults are talking. She got up from her seat and stepped in front of him, her nose inches from his, even though she was a half of a foot shorter than him. Something in her eyes cut through the older man like a knife, and he shrank under her gaze. As I was saying, she said, ice in her tone, something more important came up. All right, girl, Victor muttered as he stepped back from her. What is it? That rumble y'all heard a few minutes ago, she asked, waving her hand. That was the bridge over the Mississippi being blown up. The men all froze, eyes wide. But what about our people? James stammered. Nadia shook her head. They're alive, but they're trapped on the other side of the river. Well, let's go get them, Doug cried. No, she said firmly. We have another task we have to tackle, and we don't have a lot of time to do it in. We'll spit it out, James snapped. What do we need to do? She raised her chin. We have to clear out the casino. There was a long moment of awkward silence before Victor barked a hysterical laugh. Oh, is that all, little girl? We'll just go clear out the casino? Hell, while we're at it, we can build a rocket ship to take us to the moon. You call me little girl one more time, and I'm gonna plant your bitch ass in the ground, Nadia growled. And if you don't think I can, let me remind you that while your doughy ass has been lounging around, I've been out there on the front lines fighting these motherfuckers. Word around town is that you couldn't make the cut because you get winded trying to find your own dick in the morning to take a piss. Which, given the size of that gut, I imagine it's a two-day trip for your hands to make it below your waistline to find that shrunken gummy worm you call a manhood. Now you got anything else to say? Or are you ready to start tackling this problem? Victor's mouth opened and closed like a fish, shaking his head and unable to speak. Miss Nadia, James said, coughing nervously and raising his hand. I have a question. She raised an eyebrow. Yes? Why, he asked. Why do you have to go to the casino? Glad you asked, James, Nadia replied with a smile. Because that explosion is going to attract every zombie within earshot. I know you boys have been working hard on the barricade, but it's not going to be enough to withstand a horde of any size. If we can get people into the casino, we might have a chance at surviving whatever comes our way. Solomon stepped forward, his brother in tow. I speak for both me and my brother when I say we want to do our part. I know we're young and that's why we've been left behind before, but we want to help. I'm glad to hear you say that, because I was kind of counting on you two, she replied gently. Everybody who would normally be doing an assault like this is currently on the other side of the river, which leaves it up to us. Now I can see the look on some of y'all's faces, and I can tell you're scared. But there's only one thing you need to keep in the back of your head. If a 16-year-old girl isn't scared to do this, then I shouldn't be either. The three truckers glanced at each other and shrugged, unable to argue with the logic that they'd just been guilted into a suicide mission. Well, miss, we're with you, but I have one more question. James said. Do you have a plan? I do, Nadia replied. You and I are gonna run over to your workshop while the rest of these guys get any weapons they can. Mr. Kenneth, I'll need you to start getting people ready to move and packing every bit of our supplies into vehicles. It may be a while before we're able to come back to town. The old deacon stood up from his rocking chair and nodded. I'll take care of it. All right, gentlemen, Nadia said with a firm nod. You know what to do. We meet back here in 10.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Chapter 6 Phil kept a white-knuckled grip on the barrel of his handgun as they headed up the road leading towards the docks. What's the plan if there aren't any boats? he asked. Well, Mark drew out the word as he scratched the back of his head. We know for a fact there are going to be boats near the water, since there was a traffic jam that got everybody stuck. The thing we have to be concerned about is getting a boat in the water without being eaten. Phil raised an eyebrow. That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, just a massive pileup of trucks, some of which don't have keys and others have zombies trapped inside. Daryl cut in, sarcasm evident in his voice. All we gotta do is clear the ones with busted boats out of the way and get one in the water while fighting off a few hundred of them pricks with, what, 12 bullets between us? Easy as fucking pie. Phil's breath caught in his throat. Okay, that does sound bad. Guys, it's Tony. Mandy pointed ahead at the figure tearing towards them, frantically waving his hands for them to come join him. Vernon sped up to a jog. We should pick up the pace, he instructed, and his group followed suit. They huffed as they finally reached him, and he shook his head in disbelief. Don't y'all be getting comfortable, we gotta move, he urged. What is it, Tony? Vernon rasped. The younger man waved him off. Come on, keep moving. He took off around a bend, along a tree-lined curb, and the group stopped short in shock as they caught up to him. Shoulder to shoulder across the only road into town, shambled at least a 150 zombies. They moved at an aimless pace, as hordes were wont to do, not having noticed the fresh meal clustered at the bend ahead. Holy fuck, Mandy breathed. Mark's face was as white as a sheet. What do we do? We'd better be finding a fucking hiding spot, that's for damn sure, Daryl hissed. Mark shook his head. Where, where would we hide? I don't know, Daryl snapped. Up a damn tree, anything. No, if one of them spots us, we're all dead, Vernon put in, shaking his head. They'll just wait us out, it's no good. Phil pointed to a metallic building to the right, with a large stone silo in the yard. What's that building there? There was a large metal construct that connected it to a neighboring building across the street. Holy shit, you're a genius, Phil, Tony grinned. It's an old processing plant, and they have a conveyor belt that connects the two buildings. So we lure them into one building, Vernon said thoughtfully. Tony nodded, and cross over to the other side. Okay, if we're gonna do that, we'd better hurry the fuck up and get there before they do, Daryl urged, and Tony took off like a shot. He led the charge across the street and up onto the grass, 
and a few of the approaching zombies began to notice the movement ahead of them. Tony made it to the building just before a few of the faster zombies did and tried to throw open the door, but it was locked. He frantically looked around, spotting a nearby window that was about eight feet off of the ground. Christ, I hope this works, he muttered and sprinted for the window. A trio of zombies moved to intercept him, and he leapt into a kick, catching the lead one in the chest and knocking the other two over like a set of dominoes. He thrust off of the zombie and did a spring up the wall, grabbing the windowsill. He held on with one hand and drew his baton with the other, ducking his head as low as he could while smashing the glass with the metal. He glanced down the road to see the rest of the group closing in and more and more zombies from the other side. Tony took a deep breath and clambered up through the window, dropping down onto the ground floor and rolling towards the front door. He unlocked it and threw it open, a zombie there to greet him. He reached up and grabbed it around the throat as they tumbled backwards, and he managed to keep from toppling over, even though the zombie was large. He smacked it a few times with the baton, avoiding snapping teeth as he pushed it against the wall. He dropped the baton and drew his knife, stabbing it in the forehead, just as two more zombies burst in through the door. He whirled around and fell into a fighting stance when the two corpses crumpled to the floor, revealing Mandy and Mark behind them. Thanks for the assist, Tony grinned. Mandy winked at him. Anytime, sugar. The others bustled in and threw themselves against the door, but the horde outside was too much for them to push back. Where in the holy fuck are we going? Daryl screamed. Vernon pointed up at the conveyor belt that led to the crosswalk. There, move. Go, I'll hold this, Daryl cried, digging his heels in as best he could. Vernon led Phil, Mandy, and Mark up the conveyor, slow and steady as they could on such a thin ramp. Tony stayed at the bottom, watching their progress. Daryl grunted under the strain as an arm shot past his face, flailing from the widening gap of the door. Are they up there yet? He yelled. Tony clenched his fists and shook his head. They're getting there, man. They better hurry the fuck up, cause I can't hold this much longer, Daryl cried. Tony took a deep breath. Fuck. He watched his comrades struggling with a steep incline. He spotted a six-foot-long piece of rebar and grabbed it, taking a step towards his grunting friend. Okay, I got an idea. I need you to run as fast as you can to me and start climbing. I'll take care of the rest. Daryl nodded and braced himself to make his move. Okay, I'm coming. You better be ready, he cried, and then pushed off of the door. As soon as he let go, the door practically exploded from the weight of the zombies. It caught his foot and he tripped, hitting the ground hard in a panic. He screamed as he scrambled to get to his feet, but the mass of rotting flesh descended on him instantly, decaying teeth finding purchase in his soft, warm body. Daryl! Mandy shrieked from above, open-mouthed at her friend's disappearance under the flood of corpses. God damn it, Tony cursed, blinking back tears. Y'all get moving now, he screamed up at them and leapt onto the belt, closing the distance between them quickly. As he caught up to Mark, he saw a row of zombies managing to work their way upwards. Vernon, they're coming up. You gotta hurry, man. The older man looked over his shoulder and his eyes widened and he picked up the pace as best he could while still finding good footing. Tony readied his rebar and then fell into a controlled slide all the way back down the ramp into the row of zombies. 
It slammed into the chest of the first one, skewering a few like a kebab. Don't know how much higher y'all would be able to get, but I ain't taking any chances, he muttered, and jammed his end of the bar into the metal grating on the side of the conveyor. The kebab worked as a temporary barrier, trapping the other zombies below from clambering up. Satisfied, Tony turned and climbed back up, just as Mark managed to haul himself up onto the landing above. The group looked down onto the factory floor to see easily a hundred creatures flooding the space, reaching up to the fresh meat above. Everybody okay? Tony asked as he pulled himself up and received a series of somber nods. I'm gonna go out first to make sure there's nothing else that is gonna cause us any issues. The two most important things from here on out is that you don't look down and you don't make a noise. We don't wanna go through all of this only to inadvertently lure them into the other building. Everybody clear? There were another round of nods, and then he took a deep breath before heading outside. He peeked down to see a dozen or so stragglers outside, but none of them took notice of him. He crept cautiously across the walkway, the wind rustling his hair as he moved. When he reached the other side, he scanned the ground floor of the opposite building for threats. He let out a deep sigh of relief when there was no movement whatsoever, and popped back out to the walkway to wave at Vernon. One by one, the group moved slowly and quietly across the street and climbed down to join Tony on the ground floor. They stayed as silent as they could for fear of alerting any of the horde and gathered around a dusty window along the far wall. Vernon wiped the glass and peered out. There was a dirt road running alongside the river, completely devoid of movement, alive or dead. There's our road, and it looks clear, he murmured. Tony, you know the drill. You go on ahead. For the rest of us, stay silent and move quickly. Let's go. Chapter 7 Victor pulled his truck up to the casino parking lot, stopping at the edge. He hung out the window as the group in the bed stood up to survey the area. Nadia pulled out a pair of binoculars, inspecting the barricades at the front entrance. She carefully scanned the cars in the parking lot, making sure there were no straggler zombies lurking about. Looks like our barricades have held, she reported, and I'm not seeing any danger coming from the parking lot, but we should avoid the cars just to be safe. Where would you like me to go then, Victor asked, because I'm assuming we ain't doing a frontal assault. She shook her head. Head over to the old hotel, she replied, motioning to an older two-story structure just to the north of the main building. All right, he barked, y'all hang tight. He put the truck back in drive, and everyone sat back down to avoid falling out onto the pavement. Man, I love this place, James commented wistfully as they pulled in front of the old hotel. Solomon shook his head. It's so old, why did they leave it up? Because, young man, Doug replied, this place used to be one of the most popular destinations on the river when it opened in the early 60s. Rumor has it that the new owner just couldn't bring himself to tear it down, so he had it converted into extra hotel rooms while keeping the retro feel. That's right, James agreed. Back in our day, all we needed to have a good time was a grill and a swimming pool. Gregory's brow furrowed. But who would want to stay in a place like this nowadays? I bet there aren't even any flat screens. Some of us old folks yearn for a simpler time, Doug admitted with a chuckle. Ironically, with this apocalypse, we ended up going a bit further back than any of us would have liked. Luke shook his head. 
You know, it's really a miracle this place is still standing at all. How many floods and hurricanes have rolled through here over the years? They definitely don't build them like this anymore, Doug agreed. Victor rolled to a stop, and everybody hopped out. James and Luke drew shotguns, taking a defensive stance in case anything ran out at them. Nadia jumped down next to the driver's side door, and Victor motioned to the large building. What's the play? He asked. Nadia turned to Doug. You have the room key? He grinned and pulled out a large battery-powered drill with a 12-inch bit, giving it a few buzzes for effect. Yes, ma'am. All right, she replied. Second floor, pick a room, preferably one that isn't occupied by the undead. Doug nodded and led the group inside. They fanned out and covered him as they headed up the main staircase, and he chose the first room on the left. He jiggled the handle and tapped on the wood, but there was no movement or sounds from inside. He drilled through the locking mechanism, and eventually it popped open, allowing them entrance into a hotel room that felt like it had transported them back in time. Solomon wrinkled his nose as he ran a hand over the lime green linens that matched the curtains. So interior decorating wasn't a profession until after the 60s then. Hey now, this reminds me of my childhood, James replied, patting the bright yellow fridge. Show some respect. Pretty sure this means you forfeit any right to make fun of anything in our childhood, Gregory shot back. James scratched the back of his head as he took in the pukey green ceramic tile in the bathroom. Yeah, all right, I'll give you that one. Nadia tossed her bag down on the bed and began pulling out supplies. So you gonna let us in on your little plan here? Victor asked, voice impatient. The young woman took a deep breath to keep herself from snapping at him. Instead, she took three screwdrivers out of her bag and tossed them down in front of him. What in the hell you want me to do with these? He demanded. You and James are gonna go find the four heaviest doors you boys can lift, she instructed. You're gonna take them off their hinges and bring them back to us. Just make sure they're solid. Victor crossed his arms, not touching the tools. What in the hell are you gonna do with doors? She smiled and tossed a handful of long leather straps down in front of her. Are you familiar with the 300 Spartan warriors? Do I look like someone who would? He scoffed. Given how much of a fat ass you are, I would have assumed you saw the movie, Nadia shot back, and Luke snorted, quickly covering it up as Victor glared at him. Oh, oh, James cut in. That was that comic book looking flick, wasn't it? Hey, you saw it, man, it had that freaky tall bald dude with that nose earring chain thing. Oh, Victor replied petulantly. Was that the one with all them shirtless dudes with spears? James nodded. That's the one. Well, hail, girl, I know what you're talking about now, Victor declared, but his brow furrowed. But I don't know what that means for us. Nadia sighed. We're going to use the straps to make shields out of the doors, she explained. You four are gonna act as our Spartan guards, while the brothers and I unleash hell on our enemies. Uh, Nadia? Solomon raised his hand. I don't think we have enough bullets for this. She pulled out a series of long knives from her bag. These beds should have long metal supports. We're gonna grab those and Doug is gonna make us some spears. Victor nodded thoughtfully. That's just crazy enough to work, girl, he said. I just hope you don't expect us to take off our shirts to match them movie Spartans. If you even think about taking off your shirt, just remember I have a gun and I know how to use it, she warned. James laughed and smacked his friend's belly on his way by. I think she'd be justified in doing so. All right, Victor agreed, 
finally looking like he was warming up to the situation. We'll be back soon with those doors. Doug held out the drill. Here, don't forget the room key, he said. As the rest got to work dismantling the bed, Nadia dug through the desk to find a map of the casino floor. She took a deep breath and picked up a pen to plot her assault. Chapter 8 Phil skirted a fresh zombie corpse. I'll say this, Tony is one hell of a proficient killer, he said. Nah, this isn't killing, Mark shook his head. It's mercy. Well, whatever you call it, he's really good at it, Phil replied. Vernon nodded to the figure ahead, jogging back towards them. Speak of the devil, he said. Probably a good sign that he's not waving his arms at us in a panic, Mandy muttered, resting her crowbar on her shoulder. Vernon inclined his head towards her. Tell me about it. He stopped to take a breather as Tony caught up with them. Please tell me you've found something good. Maybe, the younger man replied, but I'm gonna need some help getting to it. He waved for the group to follow him and headed up the road a bit. There was a private dock bobbing on the river with a small boat tied to the end, and a quartet of zombies hanging out between the bank and the vehicle to freedom. Normally, if there's just a couple of them, I can handle it on my own, Tony said quietly. But with four, I'd feel more comfortable having some backup. Understandable, Vernon replied. Mandy cracked her neck. I've got your back. What do you want to do? We don't have to kill him. We just need him out of the way, Tony explained. That dock looks wide enough that if one of us is pushing a zombie over, the other should be able to squeeze past and take on the next in line. Mandy held up her crowbar and Mark held his out for the young parkour fanatic. He took it and saluted the lady with it. I would say ladies first, but I feel like that would be impolite in this situation, he joked. Plus, you know I'd smack the hell out of you if you treated me differently because of my gender, Mandy warned. He winked at her. So that's what it takes to get a smack from you, good to know. He turned toward the dock, and she shrugged at the distasteful looks on her companion's faces. Hey now, I don't judge whatever weird shit y'all are into, she said, putting up her hands. I would appreciate the same common courtesy. Without waiting for a response, she jogged to catch up to Tony. They crept along the dock, the zombies focused on the water and not their approaching attackers. Tony went first, hooking the end of the bar around the zombie's neck and flinging it into the water. The thing growled, and as the next closest whipped around, Mandy darted forward and skewered it, wrestling it off of the edge of the dock. The other two zombies closed in, but Tony leapt around her and pushed out with the rounded end of the crowbar, pushing it back against its friend. He shoved forward with all his might, using the first one to topple the second one over into the water. The current easily pulled the grunting corpses away from the dock, sweeping them downstream, past the rest of the group standing on the shore. And that's why we're not swimming across, Mark declared, swiping his hands together as if to wash his hands of the situation. Phil shook his head as the bobbing zombies disappeared in the waves. That is deceptively fast, he marveled. Come on, y'all, let's go check out our new ride, Vernon said, and waved for them to follow. Mandy sat on the edge of the dock, dangling her bare feet into the cool water. She looked the perfect picture of relaxation which made Vernon smile, until he settled his eyes on a concerned-looking Tony standing over the boat with his hands on his hips. 
what's the good news? The older man asked. Tony shook his head and stepped back from the edge of the dock, motioning for the trio to look. Phil gasped, and both Mark and Vernon visibly recoiled at the sight. There was a corpse draped over the outboard motor, blade lodged firmly in its torso. The bottom of the boat was a veritable lake of blood, though it didn't seem to have come from the present body. Phil swallowed back bile. Is it fixable? He asked. Maybe if I had a week in my workshop, Vernon replied tersely. That blade is lodged in his ribcage, which means it hit all kinds of bones and cartilage. Even if the blade is still in working order, something I highly doubt, then the engine itself is gonna be all clogged up with blood and guts. This boat is taking us nowhere. There was a collective sigh of disappointment throughout the group as they processed that information. Well, at least we know we're getting close, Mark said, and pointed upriver. About a thousand yards up was the tip of the Helena River Park Peninsula. Vernon squared his shoulders. Let's get going. Chapter Nine Holy fuck, this thing is heavy, Victor huffed as he dragged the door behind him, arms limp under the leather straps. Nadia rolled her eyes at the other three men, who seemed to be able to carry their shield doors with relative ease. She grabbed the bottom strap of Victor's door and lifted it, keeping pace with him. There you go, big man, she cooed. You got a teenage girl helping you now, so it's all gonna be okay. He snarled as the rest of the group chuckled and jerked the door out of her grip, picking up his pace. I was just playing, he snapped. I got this. Mm-hmm, Nadia replied, not buying it, but happy he'd ceased his incessant whining. They continued across the walkway to the casino. The doors were barricaded with chains and a few boards, and Doug leaned his shield against the wall to get to work on the planks with his hammer. Okay, guys, listen up. The young girl turned to face her team. This hallway is pretty wide, so when we get in there, I want you to get in the center and form a V. Luke, Victor, I want you two on the right. James and Doug will be on the left. You guys decide who gets to be top and bottom. James furrowed his brow as he leaned on his horizontal shield. Wait, we're stacking the doors? Yep, Nadia replied with a firm nod. Unless you want those things to be able to lean over and bite you. James put up a hand. All right, stacking it is. The last piece of wood clattered to the floor, and Doug noticed that the key was still in the lock that joined the chains on the door handles. The key's in the lock whenever we're ready, he said. But if I might make a suggestion? Of course, Nadia replied, waving for him to continue. If the hall is wide, why are we setting up the formation in the center, he asked. Wouldn't it be better to put us against the wall so we don't risk zombies getting around us? She nodded, accepting his concern. My fear is if we do that, and then there are too many zombies on the second floor, we could get trapped. Setting it up in the center is a risk, but it at least gives us a chance at a retreat. Fair enough, Doug agreed. Nadia turned to her fellow teens. Solomon, Gregory, I want you two on either side of the formation, she instructed. I don't want you to worry about headshots. If those things start coming around, I want you to aim for center mass and hold them at bay. I'll be focused on the frontal assault, but if you got one, I want you to call it out. She focused on James and Luke. And I know you boys have shotguns, but please don't use them unless it's a last resort. As soon as that first shot goes off, we're gonna be getting real popular real quick, 
Everybody good? There was a round of nods and affirmations, and the young woman stepped forward to grab the lock. She turned the key and left the padlock hanging on the end of the chain, looped through the left door handle, just in case. She glanced at her team, at the ready, and then threw open the door. Her four shield bearers rushed in and got in position. Luke and James slammed theirs on the ground, and Doug and Victor stacked theirs on top, the hinges on the bottoms, providing a little resting place to avoid slippage. The noise attracted the attention of a dozen zombies from down the hall, and they tore towards their prey. Nadia gripped her spear tightly, surprised at the speed of these runners, having been inside for so long with their muscles in decent condition. Here they come, she cried, and the men braced themselves against their doors. Solomon and Gregory each took up a side, putting on brave faces, but both horrified at the sight of these creatures up close for the first time. Forty yards, Nadia called, watching over the tops of the barricade to warn the men behind. Thirty, twenty, ten. The first corpse collided with the shields, thrashing its arms upwards, the barricade just above armpit height. The men held fast as Nadia lunged forward, lining up her shot and stabbing her makeshift spear directly into the zombie's eye socket. It hit the floor as four of its brethren trampled it at the same time, the left side of the barricade buckling slightly under the added pressure. James leaned into it, bracing his legs to tighten it up again. Nadia caught the side of a zombie's head, slicing open its forehead instead of braining it. She grunted and pulled back, lining up a shot before lashing forward again, getting a direct eyeball hit this time. The remainder of the hallway zombies hit the barricade, and the shield men struggled against the weight. Solomon jumped into action as a zombie flopped around to his side and caught it in the chest. I got one, help me, he cried, voice high-pitched, as he wrestled the flailing corpse to hold it in place. Nadia finished dropping a third corpse in the front and then pivoted, jabbing a direct shot into the trapped creature's temple. Gregory, step up, Nadia cried banging her spear on the center of the barricade to keep the zombies in the center of the funnel. Solomon, call out if any are coming around. The first young man moved to her side, and they began a stabbing spree, carefully lining up shots and shoving their weapons forward, like extreme spearfishing. One by one, the creatures collapsed, creating a heap in the middle of the V and releasing the pressure on the men holding it. Gregory lined up a shot for the last zombie, but Nadia pushed his spear down and waved Solomon to take her spot. Why don't you take him out, she asked. A little practice never hurt anyone. He stepped forward and held up his spear, face determined as he lined up his shot. He thrust quickly, the blade sinking into the zombie's forehead like butter. As it fell, the sounds of the dead faded, leaving nothing but the panting of the living. I'll give you this, girl, Victor huffed. That works a whole hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to. Full disclosure, Nadia admitted. That worked a lot better than I thought it was going to. They relaxed, the shield bearers setting their doors aside. James groaned as he got to his feet, knees cracking. You all right there, man? Luke asked. Yeah, James chuckled. Just fucking old. If there's any ibuprofen and whiskey in town left, I call dibs. Pretty sure my dad has a stash, Nadia piped up. Y'all get us back safely, and the first round is on me. James grinned. Girl, you are speaking my language. Good, she replied. Now come on, let's move up. 
Solomon and Gregory shoved a few of the corpses to the side, in case they had to make a hasty retreat, and Nadia led the way to the mouth of the hallway into the main casino atrium. It was a cavernous area, the eight floors above them completely open with balconies, so the patrons of the hotel could look down upon the casino floor. The group scanned the area studiously as they approached the balcony and didn't see any movement anywhere. Let's go take a look at what we're up against, Nadia instructed quietly, but be on guard. She crept to the railing and peeked over. The casino floor was blood-soaked, zombies ambling about everywhere. The slot machines were covered in crimson handprints, and there wasn't a single card table left green. On the far side, the escalator was out of commission, corpses stuck in different areas of the conveyor stairs. Mother of God, look at all of them, Victor breathed. Luke swallowed hard. How many do you think there are? Gotta be a couple hundred at least, James murmured. Curl, how in the holy hell are we gonna take all those things out? Victor hissed. That's our spot, right there, Nadia replied and motioned to the escalators. Uh, that's great, but there's still hundreds of fucking zombies, Victor scoffed. She took a deep breath, willing herself to stay patient. And that's a choke point. They're gonna have to file up to us one by one, which will give, before she could finish her explanation, a few zombies by the Kino machines noticed her wide-eyed stare and began moaning. The noise alerted more and more of their brethren, causing a chain reaction of groans and snarls throughout the atrium. Back to the hotel? Luke asked shrilly. Nadia nodded. Yeah, that's a good idea. They turned away from the railing and began to move, but a few dozen zombies poured out of several nearby hallways, blocking their way to the exit. Against the railing, she screamed, and the four shield bearers leapt into action, creating a V like a snowplow this time, bracing the doors against the railing for support. The teenagers began to frantically thin the horde as it crashed into the barricade, arms flailing and teeth snapping. The sound of cracking wood echoed, causing everyone's stomachs to drop. The doors are breaking, Victor cried. You gotta take them out faster. Gregory's panicked thrust continued to miss their target, and though Solomon worked a more deliberate approach, he wasn't fast enough. Nadia clenched her jaw as she watched a crack form through the middle of one of the bottom doors. Who has buckshot, she yelled. Luke raised an arm. I do. She grabbed the strap and lifted it over his head and off of the raised arm, tapping Gregory on the shoulder. Get on all fours, she cried. He dropped his spear with a clatter and complied, and she stepped up onto his strong farmer's back. She planted her other leg against the railing and aimed down into the largest portion of the horde. She pulled the trigger, the kickback intense in her hands, but her heart leapt with hope as the lead spread out and dropped four zombies at once. She cocked it quickly again, aimed and fired, taking out another small group. Three more shots, the gun was empty, but the little horde was easily half the size it had been when they got assaulted the first time. She jumped down to the floor and slipped the strap over her shoulder, picking up her spear again. How are the doors holding? she asked. Better, I think we're good, Doug replied. Nadia helped Gregory back to his feet, and the two resumed their zombie stabbing. Solomon joining in, slowly but surely. After what felt like forever, the horde was a heap of unmoving corpses. James and Victor began to stand up, 
but Nadia put her hands on their shoulders to keep them in position. Hang on, she said, and leaned over the barricade. Come on, anybody else want a piece of us? She yelled into the pile. Huh, do ya? She waited a beat, but there was no movement in the heap. Fucking thought so. She stepped back and tapped her shield bearers on the shoulders. The men relaxed and adjusted their stance and grips, making sure that the pile didn't fall in on them as they moved the doors. Nadia turned back to the railing and glared down at the casino floor, the zombies down there still focused on the group of fresh meat. Let's get back to the hotel room, she finally said. I think we're gonna need something a bit stronger than those doors if we're gonna hold them off at the escalators. Chapter 10 We have to be getting close now, Vernon said, as yet another trio of corpses crumpled beneath the group's melee weapons. Seems like every few hundred feet, there's another cluster of these things. Tony led them along the road, staying close this time, with the bigger pockets of zombies being a much more difficult threat for just one person. Mandy peeked through the tall grass along the river. Guys, check this out, she said, and her companions bunched around her. Good, Mark replied quietly surveying the lazier current of the hundred-yard-thick river. Looks like we're only half a mile or so away from the turnoff. No, not that. Mandy shook her head. Look further up. His eyes widened at the sight of a mid-sized boat bobbing in the water, trapped against a fallen tree. Oh, hell yeah, we're in business, he hissed excitedly. Settle down, we still have to get to it, Vernon scolded. Mark turned to him. I can swim over and get it, then come pick everybody up. No, no, that's too dangerous, Vernon replied, putting his hands up to stop the train of thought dead in its tracks. We don't know what's over there. We don't know what's up ahead either, Mark insisted, crossing his arms. No matter what we do, it's going to be dangerous. Vernon took a deep breath, eyes steel. We stick to the plan. His tone was flat and commanding, leaving no room for argument. His friend begrudgingly backed down and followed with less of a spring in his step as the group headed after their leader. At the corner of a building, Mandy and Phil jogged forward to silently take out two corpses staggering around towards them. As they admired their handiwork, Phil caught movement out of his periphery and grabbed Mandy's arm in an iron grip. She glanced up and her face went white as a sheet, the two of them retreating quickly to the group fingers over their lips. Vernon opened his mouth to ask what the problem was, but then closed it again, shimmying up to the corner and peering around for himself. There were about a hundred zombies congregating around the entrance to the boat park. He let everyone get a look and then waved for a retreat back down the roadways so they could discuss their options. Tony, what do you think? Vernon asked quietly. He shook his head. I think that would be a goddamn suicide mission, that's what I think. Isn't that what you do, though? Mark raised an eyebrow. No, Mark, it isn't what I do. The younger man huffed. I know the other part of this town like the back of my hand. There are also only a few zombies here and there when you compare it to that kind of a horde. And God only knows how many of those things are further down. So what are our options? Phil cut in. Mark stepped back and dropped his gear into the grass with a soft thud unbuttoning his vest. What are you doing? Mandy hissed. Well, Tony doesn't want to risk it, so if we're gonna get out of this, then one of us is gonna have to do something, he replied, dropping the vest 
and unbuckling his belt, which is exactly what I'm going to do. Hey, don't throw me under the bus like that, Tony muttered. If it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have even made it this far. You're right, Mark replied, eyes softening. That didn't come out the way I wanted it to. You've done more than probably anybody in this group over the last week, myself included. All I'm saying is that if you leading them away isn't an option, then we gotta do something else. So I'm gonna swim over and get that boat. Are you sure about this? Vernon asked, worrying at his bottom lip. We don't know what's over there. Mark forced a grin. Well, I know one way to find out. All right, the older man finally agreed. I wish you luck. Hey, if you can get that boat free, don't fire it up, Tony said. There's enough of a current, if you can get it away from that tree, that you should be able to make it down to that dock we were at. Good call, Mark agreed. Kinda defeats the purpose of me risking my life if I start that engine up and get you guys swarmed in the process. He dropped his jeans and stood, nodding to the group as he rolled his shoulders, clad in just a beater and boxers. Phil slung the gear over his shoulders, and Mandy jammed the extra clothes into what room was left in her bag. Mark took a deep breath and inched into the cold water. Here goes nothing, he muttered to himself, shivering as his body adjusted to the chill. He shook his head and then sank right down into the river, figuring that would be the quickest way to get used to it. He used a quiet breaststroke for the first half of the stretch, trying not to make any splashing noises. But once he felt he was out of earshot, broke into a quick front crawl for the rest of the way. The group watched with bated breath as he pulled himself onto the grass on the other side, eyes darting around as he rubbed his arms to try to warm up a bit. Mandy gasped as a zombie tore out of the tree line and barely stopped herself from crying out as Mark took notice, turning to dive back in the water. Four more corpses darted out from the brush, and all five descended on him before he could make it all the way back in, tearing at him. Mandy buried her head in Tony's chest as Mark's blood colored the water, half of his lifeless body bobbing in the waves as the zombies had their feast. Phil shook his head in disbelief, Vernon clenching his fists in anger at himself for not stopping this. Tony kissed Mandy on the top of the head and then gently pushed her away from him. So y'all will pick me up at the dock then, he asked. She shook her head vehemently, tears creating rivulets through the dust on her cheeks. No, no, you can't go out there. It's the only choice we've got, he said. We can go south and look for another crossing, she insisted, gripping his arm tightly. There's no time, he replied, eyes pleading with her. Every minute that passes, more of those things are gonna be heading this way. If we don't get out of here now, we might not get out at all. He hooked a finger under her chin, forcing her to look at him. Don't you worry about me, hon. You just be ready to take care of me once we get back home. She bit her lip and blinked back her tears, giving him a little smile. Oh, I'm gonna take care of you good, boy. She let go of his arm and gave it a light punch, and he laughed and winked at her. Where do you want us to pick you up? Vernon asked hoarsely. Tony shrugged. That dock is as good a place as any. All right, the older man agreed. We'll wait for you. Tony nodded and then squared his shoulders, jogging off into the woods in an attempt to flank the horde. He waited until they couldn't see him anymore to let the fear show on his face. Chapter 11 
Doug shook his head as he inspected their shields. I don't think these things are gonna be much use from here on out, he admitted, leaning the fourth one against the hotel room wall. I'm honestly amazed they protected us as long as they did. They built stuff to last back then, James said. Unfortunately, I don't think they had zombie apocalypse on the mind when they were crafting those, Doug replied. And to prove his point, snapped off a fairly large chunk of the door. So any ideas on how we're gonna hold off hundreds of these buggers? Victor sighed, setting up from his flopped position on the discarded mattress. Why do we have to? Why don't we just move everybody into this hotel? We'd be just fine here. Except if a horde shows up, Nadia countered, shaking her head and crossing her arms. There's a huge open courtyard and two main staircases that lead up to the second floor. We'd be trapped in the rooms to just slowly starve to death. Because once they realize people are in the rooms, they'll never leave. We have to take the casino. Luke opened his bag and started tossing out packs of beef jerky and bottles of water to everyone. So how are we gonna stop these things? Can we just get more doors? Solomon asked as he tore into his food. We'd have the same problem we did with these, Doug replied. They'd crack under the pressure. We could just double them up, Gregory suggested. Doug can nail them together and boy, we had trouble moving these one by one. There ain't no way in hell we're gonna be able to do double the weight, Victor cut in. Solomon clasped Gregory's shoulder in reassurance. It wasn't a bad idea, bro. Victor tossed his bottle of water back at Luke and headed over to the fridge with a grunt. The door stuck, and he had to yank hard on it before he could get it open. Damn, what kind of shitty hotel is this that they don't have complimentary sodas for the guests? He slammed the door and then paused when he realized the thing was on wheels. Well, I'll be a son of a bitch. Don't be talking about your mama like that, James snapped. Victor shook his head. Well, she was a bitch, but that's another story. Check this out. He grabbed the fridge and pulled, rolling it around the kitchenette with ease. Those things can't climb for shit, right? We slide a couple of these bad boys down each side of the escalator, and that's gonna block them off pretty good. And we keep doors and guards at the top to take out any of them that make it over, Nadia added, eyes lighting up. Color me surprised, Victor, but that's a damn good idea. He puffed his chest out. Hey now, I ain't as dumb as I look. Man, it is way too early in the day to be making bold statements like that. Luke drawled, and the room broke into relieved laughter. Fuck you, man, Victor said. But there was no venom in his voice, and there was a goofy grin on his face. I mean, you're right, but damn, son. He snatched up a few of the screwdrivers and handed one to his companion. Come on, boy, let's go get us some fresh doors. Chapter 12 Vernon peered around the tree the trio were crouched behind for what felt like the thousandth time. When Tony gets that path cleared, we're gonna have to move quick, he said quietly. We don't have to kill everything we come across. Just knock them to the ground and keep moving. Also stay as far away from the cars as possible. There could be zombies in them, under them, and everywhere else. What about the ones by the boat? Phil asked. Vernon sighed. Those we will have to kill, including Mark. He swallowed hard. In fact, he needs to be top priority since he's fresh. Can you show a little goddamn respect? Mandy bristled. I'm sorry to sound crass, Vernon replied. But we don't have time to mourn right now. My only concern is making sure we're on the same page so we can survive this. 
That's what he took the risk for, after all. She pursed her lips, crossing her arms in defeat, but not replying. A few shots echoed in the distance, and the horde's groans grew with excitement, shambling off in the direction of downtown. Well, that's one way to get their attention, Phil muttered. Vernon took a deep breath. Be safe, Tony. They waited a few minutes for the zombies to mostly clear out, leaving half a dozen or so in their path, but very spread out. Vernon nodded to the last two members of his present group. Let's move, he instructed, and they darted back out onto the road, moving at a brisk and purposeful pace. It was a few hundred yards to the small driveway that would lead them to the dock, cars back to back jammed, most with boats on trailers behind them. Vernon lowered his shoulder and crashed into the first zombie like a linebacker, catching it off balance and sending the thin creature flying into the side of a car. The rest of the zombies turned at the noise, but had trouble navigating the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic as the trio blew past it. They headed down the driveway, turning the corner to the dock, slowing down at the sight of an overturned vehicle in the middle of the road. That had apparently caused the initial jam, and Vernon put up a hand to slow them down. Let's go through the woods, he said. Be ready. They spread out and approached the tree line, footfalls as quiet as could be as they readied their melee weapons. It would only be 25 or so yards to the river, but with the dense wood, it was difficult to see where the enemies were. As soon as they hit the brush, Phil stepped on a branch, and a loud snap caused an uproar of moans from all around them. Mandy muttered a few choice curses under her breath, and the trio moved into a more triangular formation, covering each other's backs. Got one, she declared, and stepped forward, crushing the skull of a hungry corpse to her left. As soon as it fell, she froze in horror at the sight of Mark tearing full speed towards her. She dropped her crowbar, putting her hands out to grasp his bloodied shirt her fingers intertwining with still warm organs half torn from his belly. The momentum of his movement toppled them over, and she stared up at her dead friend's teeth, chomping putrid puffs of air into her face. Then he went limp, and she shoved him off of her, adrenaline spiking through her shock. Phil held out his free hand to help her up, and she gave him a grateful glance before retrieving her own crowbar and turning to back up Vernon. The older man lined up two shots in succession, taking out two zombies on either side of a gnarled tree. Come on, he hissed as the corpses slumped into the branches. Let's get to the boat before reinforcements arrive. The duo tore after him through the trees, this time more concerned with speed than quiet, rushing right down to the waterfront. The boat bobbed against the fallen tree, and Vernon motioned to the back step. Get on, and I'll push it out he instructed. Find something to maneuver with. They clambered onto the boat, and Mandy found the emergency oars, tossing one to fill. Vernon jumped down into the water, giving a mighty heave to loosen the boat from the fallen tree's clutches. Phil reached down and grasped his wrist, pulling him up into safety. The older man hit the deck hard, out of breath, soaked from the chest down, feeling utterly spent. Phil and Mandy went to work immediately, paddling into the center of the river. Holy shit, Phil breathed as the straggler zombies emerged from the tree line, screaming from the shore. 
We timed that right, didn't we? Hell yeah, we did, Mandy agreed. Phil looked down at the tired man on the floor. Should we start up the motor? No, Vernon huffed, pulling himself up to a sitting position. We need to keep it silent until we don't have a choice. Last thing we want to do is draw zombies to the dock and make it more difficult for Tony. As if on cue, a few gunshots cracked in the distance. At least we know he's still kicking, Phil said somberly. Mandy paddled faster. Chapter 13 Tony took a knee in an abandoned storefront, holding his breath as a small horde of zombies wandered down the street past him. He let out a ragged breath as they disappeared around a corner and pulled the clip from his handgun. Four bullets left. I hope y'all have had enough time to get that boat, he muttered under his breath, because I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. He cocked his head, and a zombie from the street caught a glimpse of him, turning to bang on the window. Immediately, a throng gathered around the storefront. Back on the clock, Tony sighed and leapt to his feet, giving the group a salute through the glass. He turned and spotted a busted roof beam, leading up to a patch of sunlight above. He grasped the beam, giving it a shake to make sure it was sturdy, and then jumped up onto it, climbing it with relative ease to the roof. He wandered to the front of the store, peering down into the sea of rotting flesh below. Yeah, cry all you want, he declared. You ain't getting this. He smacked himself on the chest and jutted out his chin, and then turned on his heel. He had to get his jollies somewhere in this hellhole. He headed to the back of the building, noting that the path directly south was clogged with the zombies, only a few feet between each one. The other corner was pretty open, with sparse corpses for a few blocks, and then what looked like, he hoped, open space. Well, he sighed to himself, looks like I'm going that way. He peered down into the alleyway to make sure it was clear before hopping over the edge onto a drainage pipe. All he could do at this point was hope he could get behind the horde and that he actually had a ride waiting for him. He hit the asphalt noiselessly and then peered around the corner, spotting a few dozen zombies in the street, heading towards the banging at the front of the store. He took a deep breath and then took off running in the other direction. Tony fled like the wind though with speed came noise, and despite being quick as a bullet, some of the zombies turned and reached for him as he passed. He managed to dodge them, but there were several clustering ahead, closing the gaps between them to try to swarm him. He sprinted as hard as he could, put his shoulder down, and slammed into what looked like the thinnest spot in their line. He made it through the other side, but lost his footing. He dove forward as he stumbled tucking his head into a combat roll to pop back up and spring forward, continuing his run. The next half block was clear, and he tore up onto a large expanse of grass, dodging the random stragglers grunting about in the foliage. At the other end, he turned east, running full tilt for the river. He skidded to a stop in the middle of the road by the water, eyes darting up and down. Fuck, how far down was that dock? He muttered frantically and then took a chance on heading south. He moved quickly down the road, occasionally peeking through the tall grass at the water to keep an eye out for the boat or the dock. Around a bend, he froze, a few dozen zombies tightly packed in the road about 30 yards away. 
they turned to face him almost in slow motion, and he could barely move as their gauzy eyes seemed to lock on his heaving chest. Shit, he breathed, and then one of the zombies screamed. Tony turned and faced the river, rolling his shoulders and bouncing from foot to foot. I swear y'all better fucking be there, he grunted, and then sprinted to the bank, throwing himself as far out into the water as he possibly could. The chilly river was a shock to his system, but his survival instincts took over quickly, and he breached the surface, taking in a deep lungful and focusing on getting away from the shore. He backstroked about 20 yards out, hoping that would be enough distance in case any of the zombies decided to take a dip after him. The current picked him up, and he began to simply tread water, keeping his head up as the river did all the work of carrying him to what he hoped was safety. Around a sloping bend, he caught sight of a boat ahead, and his heart leapt into his throat. Mandy, he screamed. Vernon, new guy. He waved a hand, and then had to put it back down to keep himself afloat in the rapidly quickening current, but heard cries of excitement from his crew. They managed to grab the dock on the way by, holding steady as Tony floated down to them. Mandy held out her oar, and he gripped it with white hands, Vernon and Phil reaching down to help him into the boat. Mandy wrapped a blanket around his shivering form, rubbing her hands up and down his arms frantically. Glad you made it. Vernon said, voice thick. Tony smiled, teeth chattering. Me too. Phil knelt down in front of him, raising an amused eyebrow. You do know my name is Phil, right? Sorry, Tony replied with a trembling shrug. The hypothermia must have killed that brain cell. Mandy grabbed the shivering man's face and planted a firm kiss on his pale lips. I'm going to warm you up proper tonight, cowboy she promised. Vernon shook his head. One step at a time, you two, he warned. We gotta get to the casino. He headed to the ignition and fired it up, his shoulders feeling a little lighter that they hadn't lost yet another member of their team. He popped the boat into gear, and they headed towards their new home. Chapter 14 Nadia led the lineup of refrigerators along the wall on the second floor of the atrium, spear first. At every hallway, she leaned around the corner to make sure there were no surprises, and then her team of fridge pushers followed behind her once the coast was clear. It was a slow journey to the escalators, but a safe one, and they stopped against the far wall, staying out of sight from the zombies below. The shield doors leaned to their left, having been brought down already on their previous run. Okay, Doug, Victor, Solomon, you three take the right side, Nadia said quietly. The rest of you take the left. As soon as you get the first one down, Victor and Luke, grab your doors and plug the hole in case any of them climb over. I thought you said these things can't climb, Victor worried. She shook her head. Depending on how the fridges land, they might be able to get by. I'd rather prepare for that possibility, right? Fair enough, the older man replied. I'll take center position, call out what I see, and spear any that get too close to the top, she added. The group nodded and slowly wheeled the brightly colored appliances forward, standing behind them and ready to heave. Nadia backed up where they could see her and gave a silent countdown with her fingers. As she hit zero, they rushed. 
The sound of thumping feet and squealing wheels alerted the zombies on the casino floor, and a few of the closest ones turned and tore up the escalator immediately. Push, Victor screamed. The trio gave the fridge such a great heave that the appliance tumbled end over end, crushing several of the ascending zombies. About two-thirds of the way down, it wedged itself on its side, clogging traffic. On the left side, however, Gregory, Luke, and James were having a hard time pushing theirs as the zombies were pushing back on the other side. Nadia leapt up onto the center median, stabbing down into one of their heads. Keep pushing, she barked at the boys, taking down another zombie in its eye socket. It's not moving, Luke cried. We're caught on something. James knelt down and wrapped his fingers under the bottom of the fridge, yanking upwards to flip the whole thing over. The momentum broke the three barrier zombies back, folding them in half, the appliance flipping twice before standing straight up on the escalator landing. Nadia jumped down to finish off the mangled moaning corpses and then scrambled back up, just as Victor and Luke secured the top of the stairs with shields. How we looking, girl? Victor asked as he ducked down, bracing himself against his door. Nadia watched intently as the zombies struggled to get around the appliances. One managed to get on top of the one on its side, but leaned too far over and slid back down into the sea of its brethren below. I think once we get the next ones down, the zombies aren't gonna be able to get up here, she said firmly. Doug and Gregory approached with their second fridge, and Victor moved his shield aside to give them access. They shoved it down, and it slammed into the other one on the right side, nestling in to create a nice big barrier. Yeah, they ain't getting over that, Victor said, peering over his shield. Nadia shrugged. If it's all the same, we're gonna stand guard, she said. Fine by me, the older man agreed. I've had my fill of lugging heavy shit all over the place. You want us to get the other one? Doug asked. Nadia shook her head. No, you two head back to town and start rounding up the citizens. Hopefully Mr. Kenneth has them packed up. But where are we gonna house them? He asked, scratching the back of his head. We still haven't cleared out the upper floors. We'll worry about that later, the young girl replied. Right now, we need to get them out of that town before unwelcome guests start arriving. Fair enough, Doug agreed. Come on, Gregory, let's roll. He waved for the boy to follow and they headed back towards the hotel at a brisk walk. James and Solomon stepped forward on the left side and sent another fridge down the escalator, this one creating a nice sideways barrier against the upright one at the bottom. Luke slid his door back into place, closing up the gate as the duo went back to grab another appliance. Miss Nadia, Victor declared, raising his chin. I believe I owe you an apology. I completely underestimated you. She grinned at him. Yes, yes, you did. She put a hand on her hip, and he shook his head with a chuckle, holding up his hand. She gave it a loud high five. All right, make room, James barked. We're coming through. Victor moved his door to let the next fridge roll through. It flipped a few times and smacked back a lone zombie that had managed to wriggle up on top of the other two. So, Nadia? James asked as he took a breather, staring down at their handiwork. She turned to him. Yes? What else do we need to do to secure this floor? He asked. She shrugged. This should be it. 
The upper floors are secure because the emergency exits open towards the stairwell. Those things won't be able to get them open. And when the time comes, James continued, do you have any idea how we're going to clear those? My plan was to wait on the raiding party to get back from Arkansas and let them handle it, Nadia admitted. James laughed. That is a good goddamn plan, little lady. I thought so, too, she nodded. The older man smacked Solomon on the shoulder. Come on, boy, we got one more of these to do. He motioned to the last fridge behind them. As the final appliance tumbled down, cementing a barrier that would keep them safe, Nadia couldn't help the flush of pride at how she'd done what her daddy had tasked her with. Chapter 15 Vernon killed the engine as the casino loomed into view, spotting a dock in the shadow of the tall building. Man, it's crazy how many of these things have already gotten to the bridge, Phil breathed, gaping at the few hundred zombies clustered around the destroyed bridge on the city side. Tony nodded, finally a bit warmer and drier. Doesn't look like they've reached our side yet. Hopefully Nadia and the others got our people to safety. If I know my girl, Vernon piped up. She's probably shooting craps on the casino floor while everybody gets settled. He forced his voice not to tremble with his bravado. Their last attempt at the casino had been a tragedy, and he feared for his daughter and everyone else. If anybody could do it, Mandy said gently, it's that kid of yours. Phil leaned out and grabbed the rope from the dock, securing the boat, before hopping out to pull it right in. They readied their weapons and followed him, Vernon bringing up the rear and lifting his walkie-talkie to his lips. Nadia, it's daddy, you there? He asked. The group waited at the shoreline as the silence dragged on. Nadia, baby, you there? Vernon tried again. His heart began to pound in his ears at the lack of response. Panic rose in the back of his throat, and he thought he might scream if, Vernon, good to hear your voice, old friend. Mr. Kenneth drawled over the radio. Vernon immediately clicked the talk button. Is my daughter okay? Why don't you come on up to the casino and see for yourself? Mr. Kenneth sounded nothing but jovial, and the group relaxed for the first time all day. We'll be right up, Vernon replied, throat thick and eyes moist. He brushed past the group, leading them up the path to the casino. As they came around the outer courtyard, they spotted a few dozen trucks lined up by the retro hotel. Several townsfolk unloaded supplies, leading the less mobile people inside and giving directions. Tony grinned. Looks like she did it, Vernon. Mr. Kenneth emerged from the front doors, pausing to direct a few men with big crates, and then waving at the approaching group. I'm so glad you all made it back safely, he bellowed, spreading his arms. Vernon pressed his lips into a thin line, and the deacon's gaze faltered when he realized they were too short. Are they? He asked simply. Vernon nodded in silence. The group took a moment, finally able to just take that moment, and Mr. Kenneth clasped his hands together. Their sacrifice won't be in vain, he said firmly. Vernon took a deep breath. No, it won't. Come on, Mr. Kenneth urged. There's still lots to be done. He led them inside, up and across to the second floor of the casino. People hurried around, putting together makeshift bedding in the hallways. 
The whole place was a buzz. People everywhere with makeshift spears made out of knives and metal rods. Mr. Kenneth motioned to the railing, and the quartet peered down at the horde below. They milled about, around a mountain of refrigerators, a set of people at the top of the escalators, standing behind a barricade made out of doors. What do you think, Daddy? Nadia asked from behind them. Did I do good? Vernon whipped around and scooped his daughter into the tightest hug he'd ever given her. Oh, girl, you did so good. How, how did you do all of this? He pulled back and stared down at her. He was in awe of the young woman she'd become. You raised me to think on my feet, she replied with a sly shrug, which is exactly what I did. He blinked back tears. That's my girl. She did real good, Vernon, Mr. Kenneth added. If we take our time, we should be able to clear out the main floor within a few days. They don't have another way up here, and it sounds like we're gonna be stuck here for quite a while. We weren't able to bring over the supplies, Phil piped up. Do we have enough to get by? Mr. Kenneth grinned. Don't worry, my new friend. We have about 10 days worth of food and running water. Once we get the floor cleared, there's months of food stocked up down there. Fresh moans echoed, and the group looked up to see some zombies flailing their arms over the railing above. Looks like there's still some work to be done, girl, Vernon declared, feigning disappointment. What was your plan for them? Nadia smiled sweetly at her father. Wait for y'all to get back and delegate. He let out a deep belly laugh and pulled her back into a hug. Some things would never change. End of book one. Coming soon, the second week continues as the soldiers from the heartland continue to ride the rails on their journey to the northwest. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.